There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Humans of Excess Manchester at home with me, Clint Boone. Across this mini-series, we're talking to some more inspirational Mancunians to continue to celebrate the spirit of our city whilst we're all in lockdown. This week, I'm joined by music promoter, manager, venue owner and festival founder, Ben Taylor. Ben talks about his favourite moments at some of the many venues that he's worked at. The shows that stick out, 1975 in Sound Control in the 150-cap room with Catfish opening up the show is like mind-blowing. Why those things don't come around every now and again, do they? And he talks about creating his very own Manchester festival, You Are Not Alone. I lost four friends in like the space of 18 months. And so it's something that was close to me. And I really wanted to give something back. So I thought, you know what? I've not really seen any. I've seen little events popping up, but I thought it'd be great to just give a really good day back to the city in aid of Manchester Mind, who do such a brilliant job. It gives me great pleasure to introduce a chap who I've had the honour of working with in many different capacities over the years. I've DJed for him many a time. I've put on events with him and I've often championed bands uh, that he's managed or brought to me. His name's Ben Taylor. Welcome to Humans Excess Manchester at home. Ben, are you all right, man? I'm great, man. How are you? Good to see you. Strange times and a very surreal times because up until probably four or five weeks ago, if I'd have seen you in the Northern Quarters, I often did, but it'd be instant hugs, wasn't it, and all that business. But that's all gone out the window now, hasn't it? Not that anymore, mate. <laughs> <laughs> do you think even at the other end of it do you think we'll ever get back to hugging and all that business or not uh, yeah I think so I think some people might be a bit standoffish maybe some people that you didn't really like but wanted to hug they won't be happening anymore will we <laughs> I was talking to a good friend of ours uh, a couple of days ago Nick Fraser yes he does a lot of work with uh, Tim Burgess and the Charlatans and um, he was saying I've never been a, a fan of that hugging business anyway mate. He, always, he always was an awkward hugger yeah. wasn't he <laughs> so he's happy now that all the hugging's gone out the window so generally Ben how are you coping with the, the lockdown you know like practically not in a business sense at the moment just uh, the day to day trying to keep as busy as possible like everyone else is um, trying to get that exercise in trying to keep my brain kind of ticking over it's difficult really isn't it what we do because a lot of it is based out and about and suddenly not, not having that facility to go out and, and speak to people and catch bands and do do what we do it's, um, it's difficult it's difficult I mean, music obviously is still, the good thing is people are still releasing music, so new music's coming out all the time, which is perfect, because you can still be looking fun for that future, can't you? Yeah. Well, it looks like you're in a comfier board, and I know you've got two beautiful dogs in the house as well, have you? You know what? We've got, there's technically, we have four at the minute. We'll have a look at the dogs in a bit. Uh, let's start by talking about, right at the beginning of your story, where, where were you born, and tell us about your family. I mean, I know your family, but tell us, uh, and tell about your family. 
yeah, born uh, in Stepping Hill in Stockport in 79. So, yeah, really good family, like really supportive of everything that I've ever wanted to do, whether it be, it was sport originally for me. Sport was the thing, it was like football, football, football. Whereas Jay and Beth, me and my dad, we were all kind of like focused on, on the music side of things. It wasn't really sport, it wasn't really a thing. My dad was a big football fan, but Beth and Jay, not at all. So it was a bit later that the kind of like the music came in and my mum and dad allowed me to get a drum kit and it kind of blossomed from there really. Um, but yeah, great family, like the, nothing but the, the best memories of, of my childhood. Your mum was a singer, wasn't she? She, she was a show dancer. All right, dancer, okay. Yeah, so that's how my mum and dad met. They met in 60, let me get this right, 64. Um, my mum was working on a, on a show and my dad was in the, was in the backing band and, and yeah, he blossomed from there and, I, and they came up and started the family. My dad moved to Manchester in 65 and that's how it all began. I know that you, you, occasionally you post pictures of your mum up online. She was a beautiful woman. Yeah, she, she was the best. Yeah, nothing but, but the best things to say about my mum. Yeah, the whole family, you know. Whereabouts in Manchester did you grow up? Uh, Heaton Moor in Stockport. Lived there from day dot to up until I was like 18, 19, moved to Heaton Chapel and then slowly but surely settled into the city centre but I've been around all, you know, all over the gaff. But Heaton Moor, that's where it, that's where it was, school and, you know. Lovely part of the world as well, isn't it? How did you get on at school? Were you a clever kid? When I put my mind to it, I was always taught to teachers that, uh, I could, you know, I, I could be somebody. But there was, um, yeah, well, yeah I, had, I had my moments, but then I, I kind of, my head was so focused on like football and the sports side of things. It was like, and then music, it, yeah. I did all right. I did okay. When did the love of music come in? You know what, quite late for me. Um, I always, it was always around the house. There's like, my dad would be playing Fats Domino, my mum would be playing ABBA, Jay would be playing some punk stuff Beth would be listening to like the Beastie Boys or Cud or something like that so in terms of having it around it was always there I know I love all of those acts I think it, it was probably like 13 14 where I started listening to the radio a bit more I think 15 was when I got my first drum kit so I was paying attention to certain records uh, listening to the drum styles and trying to copy them no lessons just had the kit in my room every time my mum and dad went out I'd, so yeah I'd say it was a bit later but 15 I was I was I was, I was in so Ben tell us about the what was the first record you ever bought first records I bought you know what it took a while for me to actually buy a record I remember Jay gave me records like G Love and Special Source Beth gave me a full selection of like Cud and Beastie Boys records I was I was buying Stone Roses records Charlotte's records you know those Shine compilations they were like a big part of me learning about Manchester music, really. And you were on that, I remember. Nice one. Was, uh, yeah, some great, yeah, those Shine compilations were, were kind of worn out. Yeah, they were brilliant, weren't they? Yeah. Can you remember when you first started going watching bands, what, would that, what bands would they be? Um, so, yeah, again, Jay and Beth were in bands. So a lot of the time it'd be going to the boardwalk to watch Gold Blade play that Jay was in or going to see Dumb or uh, in, you know, a reincarnation of Dub Sex. So a lot of those ones were we're going to see them or deep percussion and then we're starting to go to Reading Festival and V Festival and yeah it was great yeah, yeah make five out of seven nights a week I'd start I'd be at shows you know definitely and you started it was your first job in a record shop was our price it was my second job my first job was in a fishmongers <laughs> believe it or not it was in um it's in Edgeley uh it was yeah it was a big supermarket didn't didn't enjoy that and then um yeah went to our price as a temp worked with my sister actually and then went from there. So it works, yeah, Stockport, Mersey Way, Trafford Centre, King Street. Uh, that was fun. I was a buyer, so it was great. Kind of like trying to determine what was going to sell and, you know, getting the stock right. Yeah, really enjoyable, that. And that sounds like a dream job for somebody your age in this part of the world back then. God, you know what? I could memorise 
I was, it was like Rain Man. I could have like, I could, you could tell me like a t- an album and I'd be able to tell you the catalogue number. It was uh, a <laughs> big part. Brilliant. Yeah. And that was it. Since then, you've never left the music industry, have you, technically? No, no, no. It's been from working in the record shop. I started putting on a night called No Way Back at Night and Day. Jay was at Night and Day as the announced promoter. Built up a monthly night, just booking my friends' bands, really, on MySpace. I remember leaving our price because it was doing well and I did it twice a month and it was enough to pay the bills. I'd get up and just sit in front of the laptop and listen to music and book four local bands with one DJ. But the first, I remember the first birthday party was like the Cortina's first ever show. They didn't even have a bass player. We like the whip headlined, uh, Pete from Elbow DJ, Liam Frost DJ. It was great. And I was like, man, this is, that's when I really thought, I think this could be, this could be my thing. Jay left to go and work at 235. And they offered me a little bit, but needed it, I think. And that's why you, you moved to night and day. You were there for a few years, then, weren't you? It was great. Yeah, did some good shows there. We did like put on foals in that re- in that venue, C60. There's some really good, really good acts. And then moved from there to the Roadhouse, which is a big dream for me. That was always when I started playing music. It was always like, oh man, we've got to get at the Roadhouse. It was the it was that was the big one. So get being there as like the, the guy that did that fucking on the other on the other hand. Great, another amazing venue. Miss I miss it dearly. They are all these venues. I mean, when I was getting ready to chat to you today, I was looking through the notes and that, like the night and day, just a unique place and the roadhouses and Jimmy's was and sound control. It's just, uh, we're blessed, aren't we? Yeah. They've got these amazing venues in the city. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's only really now that sound control, I'm beginning to really miss it. Yeah. From what we Because we, we were there, I was there from the day we got the keys and to the day that it's shut. And it's, it was, a, it was a big part of this, the city, wasn't it? It's, yeah. Sometimes it's hard when you're involved in it to, to really grasp how much it meant to people. But in fact, it, I think something like online popped up and it was like people, the day that we announced it was shutting, just like tons and tons of people either played there, drank there, met people, yeah. got engaged in there. It was a big, big thing. So yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame that it, it came to an end, that one. For those who don't know, the, the sound control venue was 500 capacity on three stories, on it, three, three floors. The full cap was 1300 at one point. It? So it was like, yeah, we had three stages. It was, yeah, the 500 cap, 350 in the basement, and 150 on that middle floor. Yeah. So sometimes we had three shows in a night, you know, it was great. And how shocked or how upset were you when it closed? Well, what, a, when it closed, and B, when it got knocked down? They seemed to demolish it within weeks, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. You know what? The. I kind of knew it was coming to an end. So by the time that it did, it, I'd, I'd kind of come to terms with that. And I knew I was going into the management side of things. So I did, I was going straight into something else. And my mind was focused on that. So it being knocked down and not seeing it there in a big hole, when you turn that corner onto Oxford road, it was like, <laughs> wow. yeah, that was a big shock. I mean, even now when you go past it and it's, they're putting up that big skyscraper, I know. it's like, man, we had, we had some good nights in that, in that, that space. Well, I started going in that building in the seventies when it was a music shop. It, used to, it was A1 music, so that's, I mean, when the Inspiral started, I went in there to buy keyboards and amps and all sorts of things, and then it became Sound Control, the music shop, didn't it? Yeah, that's where I bought my first drum kit. Is it really? Yeah. Wow. Do you still play drums? Uh, you know what? When I was doing the management side of things, I would drum tech for the bands as well, and that's the only time I really get to, to get back on it. Or with a band, say we've got a, we had a show at Jimmy's and I'd have a kit set up and the band would go off, I'd jump on and have a bit of a go, but no, I miss it every now and again. Right. The setting up of a drum show and packing it down, it's enough to make me want to stop forever, you know. Hard work, innit? You spent some time managing bands. I don't know if you're still technically managing them, but you you set up um, a management company, Beautiful Noise. That's right. And you got to work with quite a few bands and DJs. How did you find that? What 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 attributes do you think a person needs to be a good band manager? You need to be a people person, really. It's it's 
you need to have that. You need to you, you need to be mentally <laughs> prepared for for phone calls twenty four seven. Yeah. Um, and putting in yeah putting in the hard work and and being that first port of call for a bunch of people. We managed. I think we had at one point we had five bands on the book. So being responsible for essentially their careers is you know it's a it's a big big task. Uh, I enjoyed it. I there's a very very strong chance I might be dipping myself back in with that, but okay. um, as we stand, um, no. I, I'd said when I got the Jimmy's uh, offer, I, I kind of had to throw 100% into that, so I had to stop, yeah. unfortunately. But so those bands are doing great, you know. Still, yeah, it's a bit like babysitting, isn't it? Being a band manager, You're exactly right. <laughs> I, wish, <laughs> uh, I, I wish you could have said that to some of them. <laughs> Well, having, having been in a band myself for for all them years, I know what it's like. It's like there's no bloody way that I'd be a manager, me. No way. Yeah, yeah. you know what? There's good times and there's really bad times. But um, I, I used to get more pleasure of seeing one of my bands play in front of a pat room than I ever did playing in front of one. Actually, it was it's it was a different kind of buzz. Let's talk about Jimmy's then, because that was another fascinating venue. In fact, unique again. It was just something that was totally new in a city like Manchester. I can't believe we didn't have a venue like that before because it was just like it felt like it'd been there forever and it felt like it was created for the city well it actually was wasn't it what was so special about jimmy's manchester yeah with jimmy's it it kind of created its own family within the city i think i think every time you went in there you'd know somebody uh you could be in there in the daytime you'd bump into someone and they wouldn't leave till like one in the morning great team um yeah, just a place for musicians as well. You'd always go in there, you'd see bands hanging out. It was just, it was fun, very fun. A lot of hangovers from that place. And you were involved with Jimmy's when you launched in Liverpool, weren't you? How, how did such a, a Mike brand, uh, how, how did that get accepted by the uh, the Scouse crowd? Did they go for it right away? It was super welcoming, yeah. They've lost a lot of, lot of venues in Liverpool, so a lot of shut down in the 12 months prior to Jimmy's opening the Liverpool yeah. venue. So. I think it was a breath of fresh air getting getting something new and something so so different. So it's three floors with a live music venue in the basement, bar in the middle floor, and a restaurant which in the end opened up on the first floor. So where we were, it was like in the you know on top of Bold Street in front of the Bond Out Church. Um, yeah, it was. It was received well. It's a di I mean Liverpool's different to Manchester. It's it's a lot the nightlife. Although people are always going out, it's a lot different to the Manchester music scene. It's, would I say it's more difficult? People seem to take more of a punt on local bands in Manchester than they do in Liverpool. So I think right. people know what they want in Liverpool. Whereas Manchester, you'd, you'd, you'd take a punt and you just go to, you go to Night and Day or you'll go to the Deaf Institute on the off chance, you're going to see something really great. It didn't seem like it was fully that in Liverpool. It's like people knew what they wanted, which isn't a bad thing. Right. It's just it's different. You know, you have to think as a promoter, you have, you have to think a bit differently. Before this uh, lockdown started, you were working on a, a new festival that you created last year, the Yana Festival. Tell us about that. Yana Fest, uh, which is short for You Are Not Alone Festival. I, th I mean, everyone's been through their own mental health issues, I'm sure, and have lost people to it. Um, I lost I lost four friends in like the space of 18 months. And so it's something that was close to me. I really wanted to give something back. So I thought, you know what? I've, I've not really seen any. I've seen little events popping up, but I thought be great to just give a really good day back to the city in aid of Manchester Mind, who do such a brilliant job um, and it's non-profit and everybody, as soon as I put that message out, it was like, I was inundated with people who wanted to play and telling me their own stories about it. And it came together really quickly. I think we announced it, or I announced it in November and the show was in March and it sold out four weeks before or something. And it was brilliant. It was over three venues and it raised a bunch of money and it was just a great day. The sun was shining in Manchester. It was, it was brilliant. Yeah. And I thought, 
you know what, I'm going to do it again. So I had it booked in for March this year, five venues, like kind of like put the cap up a little bit. And then obviously the, the, the virus hit and then we've had to move it. And it, I've, I've moved it to the back end of November. Yeah. Whether or not I'm going to maybe move again to May, March the following year, I don't know. But but it's it's great. Andy Burnham's been really supportive of it. Um, it's good. And it, it, it's really helped me with my mental health, actually, even working on something that I know, even if it helps one person or allows Manchester Mind a bit more funds to be able to operate further down the line. You know, it's that was that was something that that's really, I feel really proud of. Of all the events you've put on, what have been your favourite moments as a as a event manager or promoter? Favorite moments. Um, charity stuff I've, I've done over time's been. You know what? You know I love dogs. The dogs are like a big part of my life. So when the, the dog home got burnt down, put on a, a fundraiser for that, and it was brilliant. Again, loads of Rowetta, loads of people came on board of that. It was such a top day. So I, get, I do get a good buzz off the charity events. That's that's something I'll always carry on doing. Big sh- the shows that stick out. 1975 in sound control in the hundred cap, 150 cap room with catfish opening up the show was like mind blowing. Why like, those things don't come around every now and again, do they? So there was ones where big bands that have gone on to to do great things or play play arenas when you've had them in the smaller venues, they always stick out for me. Who've been the nicest people you've worked with? Ooh, <laughs> you're going to ask me the worst as well. Yeah, um, let me, uh, <laughs> um, The nicest. I mean, I've formed some really great friendships that I'll have for life. Cortina's from doing that first show. Um, like Liam's like a really good pal. All of them are. Um, Liam Frost. I'm thinking about people who are local. The Everything Everything Boys. Yeah. Every, you know, the, it's... For all the bad eggs, there's a lot more good eggs, right? Yeah, definitely. There's, yeah, there's tons. Yeah, I'd, I'd, but, but locally, Manchester, yeah, they throw up some good people. I won't ask you about the people that haven't been nice to you. Let's so it's lockdown business again because, like, like a lot of us, you, you've been massively affected by it. I mean, as a DJ, I've, I've lost 60% of my income and I almost lost the radio gig as well, as you probably heard, but excess is, uh, it lives on. Yeah. Excess lives on. So that's yeah, good. yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah. I think we know that everything's going to be different when it all kicks back in, but are you feeling generally optimistic about the music scene for the city? Um, yeah. Like I was saying earlier on, it's like people are still releasing records. People are still, they're doing, they're doing these zoom things where there's a drummer sat in one corner, there's a guitarist sat in the other and they're still, you know, they're fighting, they're fighting and, and things, good things will come out of the back of this. Like they, they do. That's just what, what we do as a city. It's, it's like everyone groups together and we fight and, those first run of shows when we do get open again, can you imagine? It's going to be, it'll be somewhere else, it'll be some party. I'll tell you, it'll be like, it'll be like when the war ended, won't it? That's, I wasn't there when the second war ended. But. I mean, I'm, I'm probably going to swerve going into the city for a little while, I think, but it'll be, uh, <laughs> it'll be yeah, it'll be kind of like street parties a lot, right? Yeah, hopefully, yeah. Let's talk about that Manchester spirit. You touched on it there, and that's what this podcast is all about, the spirit of the city and why, why people come yeah. here and fall in love with it, why people like us stay because we love it what do you see as the manchester spirit how would you define it um i would say um we've been through a lot haven't we there's a city um we really really have i mean i'm probably i'm biased but i do i do feel that we as a as a as a breed (laughs) are different to the to the rest i think we get knocked down so much and we always come out of it stronger each and every time and I don't think that'll ever that'll ever stop. So yeah, the the, the more we we get hit with these things, I think it can only make the city stronger, um, and produce more more strong music. It's gonna be. I, I can't wait to hear what comes off the back of it. It's yeah, gonna be. Right. It really, yeah. It'd be good for me. It'd be kind of like starting fresh again. It is. It's like the world's resetting itself, isn't it? 
yeah, it's not a bad thing. <laughs> Do you ever envisage a time you might move away? Have you got offered an amazing job in LA? Would you take it? Ah, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if the money I mean, is right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, one dream of mine would all, has always been since I started doing this. I'd love to do to go and do what I do in New York. I'd love yeah. it. I love the scene over there. I think it's brilliant. Uh, I think it's very similar to to what we have here, actually. Yeah. Um, so that'd be nice. Yeah, I do love Manchester. I mean, I went. I lived in Liverpool when we opened the, the Jimmy. So I was there for nine months, and it, it, that was good. But it, ultimately, I wanted to come home, and yeah, and. And I'm back. And you did. And we all welcomed you back with open arms. I remember getting the news you were coming back to Manchester and all like that. Hey, Ben's coming back. No, it's, it's, it feels amazing to be back. I know, obviously, I've only seen this street and the field around the corner, but yeah. uh, I can't wait to, to get cracking again. What are your favourite places in town? Clubs, first of all, so modern clubs before the shutdown, obviously. You know what? I was a big fan of Jilly's. You know, if you remember Rock World? Yeah. Jilly's. Yeah. Spent a lot of time in there, Thursday, Friday, Saturdays. Um, uh, Albert Hall, I love the Apollo and the Ritz. Will always mean so much to me. Yeah. Sound control, I guess. Sound control is the one that's like when I look back at it and go, Oh, that was like nine years of seven nights a week. Uh, night and day again, big family spirit. Yeah, yeah. Who are your favorite humans of Manchester ever? Ben gives a few names. Oh, yeah, I've got a couple. Um, I'd say Rennie from the Roses is one of my um, num- well, probably my number one. No, you know what. Joint number one, but he's um, he made me want to pick up the drumsticks and get into that. I yeah. remember having a, me, my sister, Pete Garner, and him went to watch Jay play at the Witchwood in Ashton when he was in Goldblade, and he gave and then Rennie gave me some really good drumming advice. So from that moment on, I was like, I want to be a drummer. What was the advice, Ben? Um, to be loose, you know, it, there was, it was to be loose when you play. So in terms of just sticking to that four four beat, loosen it up. He's like, don't be afraid to kind of loosen up your arms. I remember it, and it stuck in my head, and I thought, "All right, still trying to do that." Like, but it's, uh, but yeah, no, uh, that was from that moment on. I was like, "I want to do what he does." So, I did, and we did for a bit, but not, not as, uh, not as good as Rennie. I'm afraid <laughs> I can't do that double kick, kick drum. <laughs> <laughs> Any other favourite humans of Manchester? I'd say Lowry. You know, I said I'd, I'd love the way that he captures the streets. I, I used to live right by his statue in Mottram as well, so I'd walk past that every day, and right by a house I used to live in around the corner. Um, and my dad, I mean, he's an honorary man, my dad, but he's, he's lived like some, he's lived an amazing life. He played with Jerry Lee Lewis. He played with Joe Brown and the brothers. Um, he got me, he's, he's a Londoner, my dad. So he's an honorary man, but he got me into Arsenal. It's a big thing, big love of mine. Um, and he's been there for me, you know, every time it's kind of hit my lowest, he's been there. He's a hero. Right. Have you got one of your dogs nearby before we, uh, he's upstairs. Don't get him. Yeah, bring the dog down. It'll be the first dog to feature on the podcast, so let's get him, get him down. <laughs> right, here we go. Right, who's this? There he is. So this is Rascal. Rascal. How are you? Is that? It's the new podcast I do, isn't it? Dogs of Excess Manchester. Mate, you need, you need to get me to present that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I was just going to say, having the dogs at this time is just like a godsend. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, getting to go out with them. They're, they're keeping me sane. We're the same. We've got a little uh, cavachon called Dollar. She's two, and she's keeping us uh, in a good place at the moment. Beautiful, yeah. Which is nice. Yeah. So, Ben, before we go, man, describe Manchester in three words. Proud, passionate, love. Fantastic. Ben Taylor, thank you for being a human of excess Manchester. Thanks, Clint. Great to see you. That was Ben Taylor. On the next episode, I'll be joined by Mancunian actress Maxine Peake. 
Don't forget to follow us on social media and subscribe to Humans of Excess Manchester. Rate us, feel free to leave us a review. We always like to hear what you think of our work. Stay safe and look after each other, Manchester. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.